The Tour Backspin Show features a legit, well-researched story from the PGA Tour in the 1960s or 1970s. The story shares some DNA with the tournament being currently played this week on the PGA Tour. If you're into this kind of thing, sign up for the Tour Backspin weekly email newsletter at tourbackspin.com or on substack.com. The newsletter also features the famous What Hole Is It contest, something fun from the world of golf off the internet, a curated Spotify playlist, and an antique golf ad. Also, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for news and features from Tour Backspin. Welcome to the Tour Backspin Show. I'm your host, Larry Bosch, and this week the PGA Tour visits the TPC Potomac at Avenel Farm in Potomac, Maryland for the Wells Fargo Championship. This tournament was first played in 2003 as the Wachovia Championship at the Quail Hollow Country Club in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we're going to backspin to the Kemper Open of 1974, which was also played at Quail Hollow. It features something that could not happen on today's PGA Tour. It would have to occur on the Corn Ferry Tour. A pro who Monday qualified goes on to win the event. It's a cool story. Okay, let's get going. We're on the tee. It's Monday, May 27th, 1974, and Bob Minnie just posted a 70 at Carmel Country Club in Charlotte, North Carolina, in a Monday qualifier for the Kemper Open that would begin on Thursday at the Quail Hollow Country Club, also in Charlotte. His score was good enough to secure a spot in the tournament, which featured one of the richest purses on the PGA Tour. Minnie needed to get into the field as he needed to make some money. In the three years he had been out on tour, he had a grand total of $19,000. In 1974, he had only collected $7,200, and his standing on tour required him to Monday qualify to get into events. To make matters worse, he and his wife experienced car trouble coming into Charlotte, and the resulting repair charges left him with only gas money to get to the next stop on tour. His wife was cooking hamburgers in their motel room. So... How did he do with that coveted spot in the Kemper Open? Let's backspin to see. The Kemper Open offered one of the largest purses on the tour schedule. It was also one of three designated tournaments by the Tournament Players Division that required all the big-name players to participate in. In the first round, Tom Watson matched the course record 65 to take a one-stroke lead over Bruce Crampton and a two-stroke lead over Hubert Green and Bob Minnie, who both birdied the last three holes in their rounds. Minnie started the day by bouncing his approach shot through a bunker and it stopped seven feet from the hole. Watson, despite winning $62,000 so far in 1974, had not yet won on tour and he was hungry. He had come close in 1974. I had a chance to win last week in Memphis, Watson told reporters after his round. I had a chance to win in Dallas. I had a chance to win in Los Angeles. And I was in pretty good shape in San Diego. My trouble is that I've been inconsistent. I just haven't finished as fast as I'd like this year. I've had some good starts, then let it get away. But I'm sure it will come. Watson did not miss a green in his round and didn't record a bogey. He also didn't birdie any of the par 5 holes. The course record that Watson tied on Thursday fell on Friday, a hot and muggy day with little to no wind. 
Lee Trevino shot a 64 and grabbed the lead. Trevino one-putted nine greens and he identified the round as maybe the best competitive round of his life. Trevino's 10 under total for 36 holes was only one stroke in front of a group of a half a dozen players that included Watson, Jerry Hurd, J.C. Sneed, Gibby Gilbert, Chi-Chi Rodriguez, and John Jacobs. Crampton shot a 73 and was at 138, four strokes behind Trevino. Bob Minnie shot a 69 and was only two strokes off the lead. Dark, threatening clouds hung over Quail Hollow for Saturday's third round. That didn't bother Jerry Hurd, who came out and shot a 65 and grabbed a three-stroke lead. His three-round total of 200 was the best 54-hole score on tour so far in 1974. So was the overall scoring of the field as the whole field was under par. Hurd started the day with two birdies on the front nine and then had consecutive birdies on the 10th through 13th holes. I just started making a lot of putts, said a smiling Hurd after his round. They just started to go in. Trevino shot a 69 and was three strokes back, as was Bob Minnie, who shot a 67. Tom Kite equaled Trevino's course record of 64, and he shot up the leaderboard to six strokes off the lead. In Sunday's final round, Bob Minnie was just looking for a good final round that would result in a high finish and a much-needed large check. However, it began to look like he would be repeating what he viewed as a flaw in his game after he bogeyed the fourth hole. Then he missed a three-foot birdie putt on the fifth hole. I always seemed to have that one bad round, he admitted to reporters, but things started happening on the eighth. I birdied eight and nine to go out in 35, one under. Then I birdied 10, then 13, but I bogeyed 14 with a three putt before getting birdies on 15 and 18. The birdie on 18 came after he holed a clutch six-foot putt that deadlocked him with Hurd at 270. In the sudden death playoff, Minnie hit a good drive on the par 5 15th hole and then a shaky forward second shot. His wedge approach shot ended up 25 feet short of the pin. Hurd's approach finished 5 feet closer to the pin than Minnie's. Minnie read the double breaking long putt, assumed his stance, and stroked the ball. I thought I had missed it, he admitted after the round, but when I saw it turning back to the left, I took hope. Then, Drano! Holding the $50,000 check along with a new lease on his career, Minnie was overjoyed. This makes life worthwhile, he said. I've been dreaming about this moment since I was a little kid. I'm just thrilled to death. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Jerry Hurd was philosophical after the playoff. I feel everything worked out for the best, he said. Bob needed the money and I picked up a good check. It wasn't like losing to Nicholas or Trevino who have more money than they'll ever spend. Hurd pushed his earnings for the year to over $90,000. Besides the $50,000 check, Minnie earned some other perks that would make life on tour easier. He would no longer have to Monday qualify, and he gained invitations to the Masters and the Tournament of Champions. Quite the turnaround to a week that started with his car crapping out, leaving him with nothing more than gas money to get to the next stop, and his wife cooking hamburgers in his motel room. After the break, we'll come back with our bonus story about the controversies at the Kemper Open that week. The story that uncorked the life and times of Champagne Tony Lima tells is one of perseverance, inspiration, dedication, and redemption. But most of all, it is a love story. Let Tony Lima tell you himself. 
Uh, I fell in love just prior to the fall of 1962 when I won my first two or three tournaments. And I think that falling in love with my wife gave me just the edge that I needed to, uh, to kind of settle myself down. I think it's made a tremendous amount of difference. Stabilized you. Gave you motivation. Just goes to show you love can do anything. Yes. Even win golf tournaments. That's right. And last year you won. From the wrong side of the tracks in Oakland to the top of the professional golf world at the home of golf, St. Andrews, Tony Lima had achieved the ultimate recognition. He competed against the best players such as Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, Billy Casper, and Gary Player, and often came out on top. Larry Bosch takes you inside the man-men era of the PGA Tour with a cast of characters from Ken Venturi and Fred Corcoran to even the Pope. Lima hobnobbed with television producers, stars of stage and screen, and even a king who had abducted his crown. He occupied a spotlight in the golden age of the PGA Tour. Read how he fought his way to the top and enjoyed the fruit of his labors before tragedy struck, bringing his starstruck career to an early end. It's all in Uncorked, The Life and Times of Champagne Tony Lima, available on Amazon, or go to tourbackspin.com for an author-signed copy. At times, the pros were not playing nice in the Kemper Open, with two controversies occurring over the weekend. In the first, J.C. Sneed was critical of Lee Trevino and Jerry Hurd for their deportment during Saturday's third round. Trevino and Hurd were playing in the group behind Sneed. They were both playing well, and when you play well, you can be a little looser, he explained. They didn't bother me as much as they did Chi-Chi Rodriguez. A reporter asked Hurd what the two players did to incur his wrath. Oh, telling jokes, getting loud laughter from the galleries, fun and games type of things, Hurd said. It broke our concentration. When we were over putts, we kept wondering if things would break loose back there when we were in our backstroke. In the second controversy, John Mahaffey had a bad lie in the rough and didn't think he could advance the ball very far, so he hit his shot before the green had cleared of the group in front of him. He was amazed when he made great contact and then watched as the ball soared towards the green before bouncing up and onto the putting surface. The group of Dan Sykes, Bob Zender, and Monty Kayser were surprised as well and looked back down the fairway at Mahaffey before resuming putting. Both Sykes and Kayser then missed short putts. Sykes walked over to Mahaffey's ball and made a show of bending down and looking at it before seemingly contemplating knocking the ball back down the fairway. Mahaffey later apologized to all three players in the group. Thank you for the enjoyable round. Be sure to check out the Tour Backspin weekly newsletter on Substack and sign up for delivery to your email inbox or visit tourbackspin.com to sign up and explore our other offerings, including long-form articles, videos, and the newsletter archive. This week's source materials include the reporting of the AP and the UPI, as well as my own research for the book Uncorked, The Life and Times of Champagne Tony Lima. 
Today's intro music is by the band Crow Under, and the song is Whiskey. Other music provided by the band Blue Wave Theory with the song Get Your Kicks on Future 86, and another of their songs, Lava Spout. If you like the Tour Backspin Show, please tell your friends and subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Join me next week as we have a tea time reserved.